0: Hello, folks, this is your host, Tammy Turner, and you are now listening to The Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, imagineers, animators, they've all made their mark on the Disney name. To find out more about the show and other episodes, head to our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. Be sure to look below at the show notes in the show more section for links to our Twitter and Facebook pages, including videos and websites mentioned in the following interview. Photos and audio clips that are featured in the show belong to their rightful owners and are used for educational purposes only. All guests' opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode, and from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tiara Talk Show guest, actor, mime, zombie extraordinaire, Doug Jones, to the show. Welcome, Doug.
1: (laughs) Actor, mime, zombie extraordinaire. That's like, who else gets that kind of introduction? Really? Thank you.
0: (laughs) I have no idea. Maybe the Walking Dead people. I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it's the mime thing thrown in there. That's a that's a kickback to my early days with the white face and the paint on, you know, the painted lines under my eyes and not talking and. Yeah.
0: Our Disney listeners will recognize you as the misunderstood but very funny zombie, Billy Butcherson, in Disney's 1993 cult classic, Hocus Pocus, which celebrated its 20th anniversary last year. Yay!
1: Oh, yay. That was so much fun. We had a little reunion uh, uh, screening at uh, the Disney Studio lot in Burbank. And oh my gosh, it was such a magical day. I gotta tell you, it was.
0: Yeah, you have Kathy Najimy there, Thor Birch, Vanessa Shaw, Omri oh Katz, and you and other people who also worked on the film as well. What a special event.
1: It, it was, yeah. We also yeah, we had our uh, head writer, producer, David Kirshner. We had uh, my makeup artist, Tony Gardner, who uh, from Altarian Studios, who designed the Billy Butcherson zombie makeup look on me. Uh, he and his cohort at the time, Margaret Prentiss, she did the... They both did my makeup together. Amazing time to see everybody again 20 years later at the same lot where we filmed it at. And then these fans um, came out for this. Now, of course, I... Me not being like, I don't have my my thumb on the on the uh, on the pulse of, of how people find information out. So I have no idea how anybody even heard about this screening. <laughs> but right, but uh, but I think a lot a lot of D twenty three people are people that are, are tapped into that maybe. But the, to have uh, an audience cra- it was just a sellout crowd, we did, had to add a second screening just because it was it was oversold. Between the two screenings, we had a little time on the courtyard um uh, at the studio outside uh and, and it was and they had a little museum building set up where you could walk through with um, a lot of artifacts from the movie costumes, props the book was in there it was oh so fun and um uh and then photo ops galore well on the courtyard, a lot of us stood out in the middle there and just like greeted fans. it was very very um casual uh, no no real structure to the to that part of the day. Uh, and just, we had cosplayers coming dressed as the Sanderson sisters. We had just a lot of people who had brought their, their original VHS copy from home for all of us to sign it. Oh, they gave out 20th anniversary posters that, that, uh, uh, Bet and Sarah and Kathy and I were on so we were signing a lot of those that day as well and uh, but I, I tell you it was the comments that I got from the fans that, that really was just almost tear jerky for me because I I can't tell you how many people teared up while talking to me uh, uh, you know I think I think when we've grown up with a movie when, it's a, when something is a part of our childhood and helped shape who we are today um, we do have an emotional reaction to that piece of art whatever that is and um, Hocus Pocus was very much that for a lot of people. Uh, you know, um, I'm, 20 years later, I was hearing, you know, people saying that I grew up with this movie, and now my, my daughter and my son uh, are watching it every year. I, I've, I've taught them, you know, how to watch Hocus Pocus every year yeah. at Halloween. <laughs> So it's like the second generation is starting with it now, which is just so lovely to hear that it's it's only gaining in popularity every year instead of fading like most movies do.
0: Because it didn't do too well when it was first released in 93, but, you know, considering the competition... And the fact that it became a cult classic was just amazing because I remember seeing it when I was in elementary school and I just loved it. It was I never heard of it before. I was like, what is this? I've never heard of this before. I'm glad you guys had a good time, though. That's exciting. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, we we did miss you, Tammy. Uh, But, you know, we also uh, yeah, I, I think we owe the success of Hocus Pocus to television for sure. Because um, when it opened in the box office, just like you said, in 1993, they opened it in July that year. A tough time to open a movie of any sort. Let alone a kids Halloween film, which is the wrong time of year for it. but it's it's people like you that 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 turned the the movie into a success because of TV airings and finding the connection with somebody in the film or the storyline or uh, you know the brother sister relationship or finding Binks the cat to be cute or as many young ladies have told me. I mean and I can't even tell you how many. Uh, young women have told me that I was their first screen crush. I, isn't that adorable and I played a zombie. What does that say about? That? But it's, it's, it is adorable because they, they did design Billy to look like a zombie, but but they wanted him to be attractive in some way. So he kind of had a lot like a, a sort of a uh, a Victorian era rock star thing going on, you know, it was, it was, uh, Winifred poisoned Billy and um, sewed my mouth shut so that I would not tell her secrets in the afterlife. That's that's why why I went through most of the movie with those leather stitches through my mouth because she put them there 300 years before before when she killed me.
0: How dare she?
1: So, <laughs> right. And so you can imagine, um, you know, you go through most of the movie thinking that I'm a bad guy that I'm, you know, because, Be- uh, you know, uh, uh, Winifred woke me up to go on her mission of evil to get the retrieve her book from the kid. And, and wreak havoc and eat children and, you know, or suck the life out of them. Um, so uh, you thought I was a bad guy for most of the film. And then until I finally grab a knife from, um, from Max when I've got him in the cemetery there, cut the stitches of my mouth open, and finally blast out, Winch, Trollop, you bucktooth, mop right, and firefly from hell. I had a lot of pent up anger toward Winifred after 300 years. I had a lot to say to her. And so you find out in that moment that I'm really a champion for the kids and I want those witches, you know, dead as much as they
0: do. Although you do you do show that you really do like Sarah.
1: But I love Sarah, that's for sure. I wouldn't mind having her back, that's true. But it it's Winifred mostly, I want her dead.
0: And to my understanding, by the end of the event, Hocus Pocus 2 was officially announced by the Disney company. So were you and the cast told about the news before the screening? Or during the <laughs> screening?
1: Um, uh, the rest of the cast took it as a surprise, but I, I did have some an inside track on uh, uh, w- when I was working on a movie called The Watch uh, with Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill. Uh, it's a silly comedy where aliens have taken over like this neighborhood, uh, and the neighborhood watch team fights back. That would be those three very funny comedians. Um, while I was working on that movie, makeup artist Tony Gardner was helping with the uh, with the the creature effects makeups um, on that movie. Tony told me oh, Doug, keep this hush-hush, but um, there's talk of a hocus-pocus, too. And, of course, I gasp, I inhale, I exhale, I run around in circles, I flap my hands, and I said, there, I, 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 I've been hoping for the Well, well why, 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 what? And he said that you know that he and and David Kirshner had been sort of like a, a helping put together a, a pitch meeting to take to Disney Studios to... You know, pitch this idea, the storyline, the the what would happen, and a part of that pitch meeting was was getting the full size Billy Butcherson um, replica that, that was on display at at Alterian Studios, the creature shop that made me um, that made me up. Um, they have like a full size dummy of me. And they they so they put it on wheels and rolled it through the offices at Disney on the Disney lot. Tony told me that when they were going through the cubicle areas to get to the the meeting rooms, um, people were like, but, you know, bobbing their heads up and down over their little cubicle walls going, oh, my gosh, it's Billy. Uh, the pitch meeting apparently went very well. And, uh, and that's what David Kirshner then was talking about last uh, last October at the 20 year anniversary. He finally announced it to, in public that they had been talking about this. Now, what format it would come out in as a theatrical movie, uh, that's how they originally pitched it. But I think the Disney people, he he said that they they might be leaning more toward uh, uh, making it a television event. I heard a rumor
0: about a Broadway production.
1: I did not hear anything about that. Wouldn't that be awesome?
0: I think that would be very interesting. And And Bette Midler was already on Broadway for a play. Yeah, Kathy and Jimmy has been on Broadway before, and so is Sarah cool. Jessica Parker.
1: Right, they're all the Holy cow! New. Now there was an, another. Uh, let's address another recent rumor. When Tina Fey announced uh, that, or uh, Hollywood Reporter put a big story out about Tina Fey mm-hmm. uh, producing a Hocus Pocus sequel, um, I think that uh, that Daily um, they did not. Um, I'm not sure how the rumor got out there, but uh, I think Daily Variety cleared it up. Um, and
0: um, it, she was she's producing a, a different film about witches, right? But it was suggested that it might be Hocus Pocus, but it wasn't. And then that right. rumor is cleared up. But a lot of fans were like really upset because Tina Fey is. Such a genius at making films right. that right. that actually both, sound like a great combination.
1: <laughs> it did, and it does. Well, whatever whatever untitled witch project for Disney she's working on, it will be genius because she is genius, right? So, Absolutely, yes. <laughs> that'll be dandy. But as far as a Hocus Pocus sequel, um, you know, I, I don't know what characters from the original film would reprise and come back um or if they're going to play the 20-year difference like you know have the kids grown up and have kids of their own now um and I don't know but the one thing I do know is that they can dig me up anytime and I'm still a dead guy <laughs> in a makeup and I'm going to look exactly the same because no matter how much any of us in the cast have aged you put that mask on me I'm going to look exactly the same again so that's exactly. that's good
0: oh you age so gracefully though oh, don't you worry about it
1: very kind Tammy <laughs> thank you my love
0: <laughs> can you talk a little bit about your audition for the film
1: Oh, how fun was that? Um, mo- most auditions for movies take place like in a casting office. You know, you've got like a desk and a couple of chairs and a casting lady sitting there going, all right, now we're on page three and go. This was at a dance studio. Director Kenny Ortega, of course, having a background as a, uh, a da- dance choreographer, a very renowned one. And uh, before this, of course, he directed the movie Newsies. a Big, huge musical with humongous production numbers in it and the whole nine yards. So... So, knowing that he was directing this, it was like, okay, this is going to be a special movie for sure, especially when it comes to a physical actor like me. Um, so, when he, uh, this audition happening in a dance studio was like, no, nah, I see where we're going with this. So, uh, originally, uh, Billy was written with only one line in the movie, uh, one little, uh, one word, actually. Uh, that line that I riffed on a minute ago, where I cut my mouth open and finally talked for the first time. Um, that was kind of a rewrite we did on the set on on the day because um, I wasn't comfortable with um, the script being uh, me cutting my my mouth open and yelling the B word at Bette Midler um, if for if for a, for a Disney kids movie again you, like what you were saying earlier. it's like, There's some suggestive things in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That adults will catch, but whatever. But again, this, just to out and out, uh, just yell a, a semi-profanity at, at a character in a kid's movie, I thought there's a better way to win the kids over when I finally cut my mouth open and, you know, and reveal that I'm on their, their side. So at this dance studio, what Kenny Ortega had planned for us, uh, that were, uh, we who were auditioning for Billy, uh, basically was he wanted us to get on the far end of the dance studio and wake up from 300 years of being dead, whatever, and however we wanted to interpret that. And then you know come to life and end up getting up to our feet, standing up, whatever that means, and however long that takes. And then he wanted us to make our way across the dance floor um, and then finally crumble down to the floor again and look up and, uh, and say that one word uh, to the Winifred character, just like pretend she was over there on the wall somewhere, kind of a thing. So basically, basically they wanted he, what he was looking for was was uh, was a physicality, you know, uh, and, and, and an interpretation of, of, you know, who who can channel, uh, you know, a dead guy and make him floppy, goofy, funny, charming um, and yet intimidating in some way. I guess there, there's a slight bit of that, too. Because I and, I and I do hear people say over the years that they that Billy scared them at first. So, so they oh then Kenny of course being a choreographer he put on music, some kind of like a you know a nineteen seventies sort of like a monster mash kind of a song or something that was that had like a a slow uh, you know Halloweeny sound to it. So halfway through my routine uh, is when I, I was waking up, standing up. Whatever, getting to my feet, and when I when I looked up finally and made eye contact with the uh, with Kenny Ortega and the casting director Greg Smith at the time and and a couple other people in the room, they were all doubled over laughing, like laughing, throwing their heads back, snot, slapping their knees, and I, the music was loud enough that I hadn't heard all that yet, and and I was I had no idea what I was doing to earn that kind of reaction, but it was like. I, I, I drove home feeling very confident about that audition, <laughs> you know. And uh, and sure enough, by the time I got home, there was a message waiting for me on the on the home answering machine because we didn't have cell phones back then. Um, uh, that I had booked the job, and I was so excited about it. I was just so very excited about it.
0: And considering the fact that you've played other characters who have even more extensive wardrobe yeah. and. And and mask and makeup. I
1: think for for something with prosthetics involved, absolutely. Yeah, normally you're looking at five to seven hours uh, for something like that. That's crazy. Or, you know, at least three or four. I, so to do it in an hour and a half is is just like unheard of. So, but they got the system down really fast, and and there we go. We and my arms and legs. You know, uh, Billy's costume. My my costume was all ripped and torn and, and aged. You know, had, having been through some decay. So uh, so they had they had, you know. Uh, Like leg socks that I would that I would pull on that had that were also made of latex foam rubber that had that same skin texture that same old you know uh, wrinkled skin texture on it and also gloves that all went all the way up to my elbow so they could tear my clothes and have skin showing through and then there you go and the final the final uh, bit was was to throw dust on me I mean I they had Fuller's earth in buckets and so every every scene we did uh, with Billy. Um, they would th- they would like just douse me with like with powdery dirt that every time I moved or threw my head around or threw an arm in the air uh, that that dust would fly off of me.
0: And then you also have that scene where the the bugs come out of your mouth too with all that dirt. Yes,
1: the moths. That that's oh, that was another. this is before the days of CG. What what CG used to you know, has become where they might they might just opt to uh, you know composite that in later with visual effects. Well, back in 1993, we didn't have that option so readily available or, and it was, or so, so it wasn't as refined as it is now. They did a practical job of creating a, a latex sheath in my mouth that would protect the moths from the moisture of my mouth and protect my mouth from the moths too. So I had a retainer holding it in the top teeth and a retainer holding it in the bottom teeth and this, this plastic or this uh, latex uh, rubbery uh, sheath thing was resting on my tongue. Uh, And on the on the roof of my mouth was a little fiberglass cup that held that uh, that Fuller's earth that dust. So that with little holes at the back end of it, at the backside, so that it would so that I could blow air through that cup, and dust would come flying out of my mouth. And then so underneath that cup, the moth trainer, real life, a guy came to set with nets and a cage and tweezers, and and he would grab these moths uh, three at a time and by the, by the wings and, and just kind of put them and, and tweeze, uh, hold them on them until they were on, in my mouth. He would let go and they would start flooding around in my mouth and they would then close my mouth. And the last thing was to tack, lightly glue tack those stitches back together so that and, and they were tacked together right at the breaking point where the knife was going to be opening them back up again on film. So it was a multi-step process that had to happen quickly because moths have to stay very dry. If you uh, if you ever have unfortunately stepped on one, um, you notice they turn to dust right away. They're very very dry beasts. So the funny part was, take one. We got the system down. We went through like a dry run of this, and like and we got it down. So now now we're gonna film a take. So uh, the the moth trainer puts three moths in my mouth. They clamp my lips down and then start tack gluing those little stitches together, and we're ready to go. And by that time, by the time they got the last tack of glue down, uh, the camera department had already done the clapboard and the, you know, take one, clap, you know, and, and, and the camera was rolling, sound was up to speed, and we were go- ready to go as soon as that last tack of glue because my mouth could only hold these for so long without them getting moist. And right before Kenny yelled action, poof. A light explodes right over our heads and showers us with like a, a, a spray of, of, of uh, electric debris. Oh, no. And, and so and we're like, oh, no, no, no. So they had to fix the light and get that back on again. And meanwhile, now I'm camera ready to go. So we're waiting and they get a ladder out. They get somebody up there to un- undo the old light, put the new light in, da, 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 da. And so it, it it happened very fast, but by, but by moth standards, it was a lifetime because, you know, when you've got something in your mouth that's a foreign object, your saliva glands are like, intruder, intruder, must process. So I could feel the water table in my mouth rising and rising and <laughs> rising. So oh, no. I quietly was just like to myself thinking, this is going to be a disaster. So true enough, then take two is ready to go. Clapboard, camera's rolling, speed. And I'm still, I, and I'm still prepped from the first take before the light exploded. Well, ah, I cut the mouth open and I go like that. And what comes out is a string of dust mud because, I, because it was so wet with saliva. And a, a moth was kind of like surfing on a string of saliva coming out of my mouth. It was kind of, we would call that a ruined take. (laughs) I couldn't use that one. Everybody bust up laughing. And uh, so we had to fix up. And take two uh, was perfect. It worked out in the end. And we did it all without the use of CGI.
0: Did you have a lot of fun with the cast behind the scenes? Any inside jokes you guys had?
1: We uh, we, we all got along so very well, yes. Um, and of course, me being uh, you know in a heavy in a heavy makeup as a floppy goofy zombie, I was kind of like a, a, a mascot for the kids. Um, I was I was like a, a I was a, a you know a life size doll, especially for little Thora. Thor, little Thora Birch was only. Oh, gosh, I mean, they say she was 11 at the time. She was, uh, she loved Billy. Oh, she, and she loved me. And, and, and I loved her too. She was a little princess, beautiful girl, and so sweet. And, and what a talented actress she is too. And I, I, I'm very proud of what her life and career has become since then. Enter, I, I remember the, the piece of footage Entertainment Tonight ran a story on me, on me uh, as Billy. And they showed a piece of back, uh, background footage where we kept singing, Oh, my goodness, I get by with a little help from my friends. An old song from this, from uh, it's this. I think it's the Beatles. I get by with a little help from my friends. Yeah, I get try with a little help from my friends. Yeah, they, they caught Vanessa and Thora and and me uh, singing that song while waiting by a tree. Yeah, you know, little moments like that happened all the time. And uh, but you know, Bette Midler uh, was was. I, I, I'm rarely starstruck, and. Uh, but remember, I think we tend to have an emotional reaction to things that help shape us as people, right? Uh, so, in my college days, when I was a little bit younger, um, I was a big fan of Bette Midler's. I had all of her albums, a lot a lot of you know musicals, uh, and her 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 broad her stage production had been recorded many times and uh, and she had a, a couple albums out already. and she she was just, you know a, a, a genius. Uh, self-made act. Uh, so I was a huge fan of hers. And so then w- when she went, made it to the screen and started doing a string of, of, uh, Disney touchstone, uh, comedies, one after the other throughout the eighties, she was just brilliant in all of them. And, and such a likable, lovable persona. She always played, uh, you know, the public just ate her up with a fork and loved her, me included. So when I found out that I was going to be doing this movie with her, that's when I got like all jittery and starstruck. Like, oh, I get to meet Bed Midler finally! Ah! About three years before this, uh, early, it was in 1990, I think, um... I was at the tail end of, of filming a commercial campaign that I did called the Mac Tonight commercials for McDonald's. It was a, a crescent moon character that sang at the top of a piano, When the clock strikes, hey, half past six, babe, ho ha. It was this really cool nighttime nightclub singer character, but my head was made out of a crescent moon. Um, with a face carved into it that was puppeteered by other people off-state and whatever. So this very popular TV commercial character, I did 27 commercials as that character for McDonald's. And I was about to do a a string of six commercials being filmed in one week during night shoots. And there was a lot of, of angst on the set because a brand new advertising agency had been hired by McDonald's to take over this old character that's a different agency had created, so this is this is a grown-up problem that people that I just, you know, ugh, that I didn't even want to have to worry about. But the new agency kept uh, wanting to have a new spin on the character and try some, you know, try to make him different so, so that they could claim that, that you know that they've made him better and improved. And the thing is, the character wasn't broke; it didn't need fixing, right? right. So the director of the commercial and, and I had been with it from the very beginning. You know, we knew how the character should be. We knew what what his strong points were, what his lovable parts were, and the the new agency was like arguing with the director constantly. And I was getting direction from both both sides, and it was really stressful. We were doing night shoots, so uh, one afternoon I saw a rerun of a Barbara Walters interview with Bette Midler. And it was uh, – now, this is 1990. So this is like right in the middle of her big string of huge successful comedies with, uh, with Touchstone. And I think Beaches was around, around that time too. So again, a huge, wonderful film. Um, so uh, at the height of her, of her fame and popularity, uh, Barb Walters is interviewing her and she said, Bet, the last time I interviewed you was, was uh, what did she say, 10 years ago. And you, shortly after that interview, you went into a, a rehab program because you had a nervous breakdown. What makes you a better, stronger Bette Midler today than, when I, than the last time I interviewed you? And Bette Midler looked at her and said, Barbara, I don't care anymore. And I was like, so I lean into my TV. I'm listening like, what? what? I think we're onto something here. And Bette said, um, I used to be so stressed out and, and, and anxious about... Every element of everything I was involved in, things I had no control over, other people's departments. I was worried about, you know, who's doing what and how is this going to affect me and ah, ah, stress, stress. ah. She said, now I stand where they tell me to stand. I say what they tell me to say, and I do it all to the very best of my ability. And above and beyond that, I don't care anymore. And I was just like, wow, that's the answer. I feel released and better. Yay. So I went back to work that night on the Mac Tonight campaign thinking to myself, I will do the best job I can do within the confines of what's within my responsibilities and my abilities. Other than that. I don't care. That's Their arguments are their arguments, not mine. It breathed a whole new life into me and an attitude that I've carried with me ever since. So Bette Midler is responsible for, you know, helping shape me as an actor, believe it or not, from that one interview. So now, think of it. It's 1992, actually, when we're filming the movie. And I have Bette Midler within, you know, inches of my face. So this one night I, I said to her, um, you know, I, I need to tell you a story of, uh, of, you know, how you saved my life one night. And she's like, really? How? What? And I told her about this whole Barbara Walters, the story I just told you. And she said, really? I said that? And I said, yes, you did. And it was quite, and she said, well, that was pretty good, right? I said, yeah, yes. Yes, bet it was. It helped It helped save a young actor. Oh, good. And then she went on to tell me that she thought I was very funny and that I had nothing to worry about anyway and, and that I was a delightful to watch when I was working. And I thought, my goodness, Bette Miller's telling me that I'm delightful to watch and I'm funny? <laughs> this would be a great night for that light to explode on my head again. And we can just call it I'll, and I'll die happy.
0: So now I have a couple of Halloween questions for you uh, since uh, huh? Halloween is coming up around the corner. So favorite <laughs> Halloween candy?
1: Oh, um, Oddly enough, I used to think I used to think that it was the, the you know mini bite-sized snickers, which are still dandy good. I, I would never turn one down, mind you. But honestly, honestly, and the, but I think it's because it's seasonal and, and uh, I love candy corn and and I, and I only I only have it that one month out of the year, uh, but like, oh, you put a bowl of that in front of me, especially the candy corn that has the little chocolate end on it. Uh, forget about
0: it, now yeah. least favorite Halloween candy,
1: oh wait, 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 back in my trick or treating days, um, I always kind of went
0: walk, 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 wah,
1: when I would get anything licorice. Did not oh. care for the licorice.
0: Do you have a favorite Halloween song?
1: Well, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier. It was the Monster Mash for many years. <laughs> um, now, I believe it is uh, Bette Midler's version of I Put a Spell on You. Uh, I did, did, That song has so many happy memories for me uh, laced into it that I, I it is absolutely my favorite Halloween song. You
0: got to watch her perform that song. That's so cool. Oh,
1: I got to be in the scene with her doing it live. It was, ah oh, glorious. Yeah, and when you're doing a musical number like that in a movie – um, the whole thing has to be pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. so they, they do what they call playback on set where they where the sound guy will put out huge speakers and play back what they've already pre-recorded in a sound studio earlier. So um, so everybody could lip sync to it if they wanted to. Bet, though, being the consummate professional, uh she already understood having done many music videos in her life uh, and many musical numbers uh, on film, she already knew that if you sing along live with your original performance um not only uh, it, it it just looks so much more genuine and it matches so much better.
0: Did you have a most embarrassing Halloween costume that you can recall?
1: Oh, you know what I, I not so much embarrassing, but it was the cheap way out i think the 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 easiest thing um was Cutting slits into a sheet for my eye holes and then just throwing it over. Uh, ghosts were the easiest thing to do. Get an old sheet, ask mom which one we can trash, and cutting eye holes. And then, okay, guess I'm ready. And I felt like <laughs> I just felt kind of like a failure. Like I just threw a sheet over me. And other people put a lot of work and time into this.
0: And favorite non-Disney Halloween film?
1: The Sixth Sense. That was a good psychological, like, twisty thriller.
0: Nice. That one, and I love Clue. I love the comedy version of Clue. Yes. Tim Curry.
1: Yes, he was brilliant in that, yes.
0: Uh, Great stuff. And we could count Rocky Horror as a Halloween film.
1: Oh, you know what? Let's, yes. And I'm also friends with Barry Bostwick now, who played uh, Brad, the the, uh, young fiancé that was engaged to Susan Sarandon in the movie. Um, Yeah, he and I are friends now, so I I have a a certain love for Rocky Horror, always have anyway, but uh, now I have a feel of connection to it.
0: And you recently made news again uh, with director Del Toro. He had a Reddit AMA, Ask Me Anything, and addressed the yes. Hard Mansion film. So he announced that he was producing the film in 2010, possibly directing it, working on screenplay, saying that they were still working on the screenplay during this AMA, but tested a design of the Hatbox Ghost on you. So are you allowed to discuss this experience, or is it just completely hush-hush right now?
1: Oh Well, here's the funny part of that story. Um I had heard for years that Guillermo del Toro was uh, in development with a, uh, a Disney's Haunted Mansion movie. Uh, and he assured an audience at Comic-Con one year that it would not be a sequel to the Eddie Murphy movies. So uh, uh, it was going to be his own spin on it and da 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 So uh, that's the last I ever heard of it. And, and I heard the same day you did on that Reddit AMA and all the reports of it. About myself, right. He had never talked to me about it himself personally. And I just think it's funny thing is I just worked on um, uh, his movie Crimson Peak that he has coming out in theaters uh, in October of next year, 2015. It's a haunted house type story that takes place in in Victorian England. And and I play a couple of otherworldly creatures in it. So, you know, he had me filming with him in Toronto and never mentioned anything about Haunted Mansion, oddly enough. Um, because we were kind of, you know, in, in this haunted house story up there. It, 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 they, they, you would think that it might come to mind at some point. Uh, but you know, but I never did a makeup test on myself. No one, uh, no one ever did a makeup test on me for the, the hat box ghost. The Disney's Haunted Mansion hat box ghost makeup design was, according to that Reddit AMA, what he said was it was designed on a life cast of my head and body, which would mean that, that they, they, they sculpted this on a you know, a form of me that, that's sitting in a, in a creature effects shop right now. So I was never called into the process personally. Uh, oh, okay. But but the, the design of the makeup was created on a Doug Jones life form, which means that I would be the one to wear it. Yes. Um, so but I, let's, let's hope that comes through and let's hope that I'm available when it happens for sure.
0: And now our last three questions. I always ask these to my guests. They're called the Fab Three questions and they're the Donald, Goofy and Mickey ones. So we'll start with the Donald one. So as a child, what Disney film would you always like to watch over and over again?
1: It was probably – it was more – more. it wasn't animated films, oddly enough. It was um, – it would have been like Mary Poppins. Um, I, could, I could watch Mary Poppins again and again.
0: And our goofy question, what Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person?
1: Uh, uh, probably, I was going to say personality-wise – I, I, like, I like Mickey's wisdom, uh, but I, I'll, but you know what? I think Oh, oh goof, Goofy's just so precious. I'm, I might even go with Pluto because Pluto doesn't talk much. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I do love puppies. I just love puppies. And now we're <laughs> a
0: Mickey question: If I asked mm-hmm. you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind?
1: Oh, oh. It was, oh, I think because it was on TV just the other night, look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? <laughs> Wouldn't you think I'm the girl, the girl who has everything?
0: <laughs> I do, Doug. You are the girl who has everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I
1: love The Little, little Mermaid. And I think I, that was, uh, I think what I loved about it, too, was that was kind of the, the resurgence of the Disney animated empire. And... uh so and all the music in that film was so good. I bought the soundtrack and I listened to it in the car over and over and over again. You know, even though it was a girl singing, I could I, I, I could I could personalize it. So I think that that song has special meaning to me.
0: I'm so excited because Halloween is coming up and listeners, as always, will be watching Hocus Pocus, including myself. So I'm yes. sure you'll get tons of tweets about it. And also, listeners, please check out Doug's website at the dot com. And also check out Falling Skies on TNT to see Doug as a cool, awesome alien. Who is trying hmm. to protect the humans
1: we, we go back into production for the final season five of falling skies uh wow. in September and uh, so so next summer will be you know, the story will come to a, a rousing conclusion so uh, I'd be looking forward to that I mean, in the meantime yes um uh, you know you mentioned Twitter I love how every time hocus-pocus goes on TV it starts trending on Twitter immediately if you're if you're twittering uh about hocus-pocus uh include me in your tweets I'm at actor Doug Jones there and on Instagram. Instagram and on the Tumblr and uh, also Facebook if you find if you type in at Actor Doug Jones, you'll find me in all those medias.
0: Fantastic. Thank you again for coming on the show, Doug, and uh, we'll have to fly out on our witch's broomsticks right now. <laughs> well, here we go.
1: <laughs> Sisters
0: Dubai, up a baby up and die. Up and Die.
1: You hop right firefly from hell?